You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. Welcome to You Beauty. I'm Shazzy Hunt, and if you've been wanting to make some more eco-conscious choices when it comes to your beauty routine, well, you're in luck today because I'm chatting with Brianne West, the founder of zero-waste beauty brand Ethique. Brianne's background is in geochemistry and science, and she combined that knowledge with her passion for sustainability to create her own brand. Brianne, welcome to the You Beauty podcast. Thank you for having me. Now, green beauty, it was once this niche, little bit crunchy granola area of beauty, but now everyone from small new brands all the way up to the big players are increasingly putting their environmental foot forward. What sparked this shift? Why are eco-friendly products on the rise? The fact that consumers are being more educated, you know, there's all sorts of documentaries. David Attenborough's done an enormous, valuable job of educating us about what's going on out there in the sort of the wider world. As a result of that education, people are demanding better and it all comes from consumer pressure. So it's a simple fact that people want to have a less or a smaller impact on the planet. And we look at what we buy as a way to achieve that. We all love our favourite beauty products, particularly people who listen to this podcast. But like in all areas of our lives, we're all just striving to make better choices and be more aware of the environmental implication of those products we're using. So whether it's packaging, manufacturing, pollution, you know, and I don't know what everyone else out there thinks, but for me, I find it overwhelming because I'm not setting out to buy a product that's detrimental to the environment, but it's also hard to know where to begin to actually make a difference. Yeah, do you know what the easiest way to uh, make a difference is to buy less? I shouldn't say that as as a person who owns a company, obviously, but at the end of the day, uh, there's so much stuff constantly saying, buy me, buy me, buy me. You know, every, every day you're marketed at constantly. The best thing you can do is simply think really clearly about what it is you buy and why, and do I really need it? And sometimes just take a pause, a couple of days, do I really need it? Okay, yes, I'll go back and buy it. No, I don't. I didn't even think about it, so don't. That really is the best thing to do. The next one, it gets a little bit harder. That's when you start digging deep into the products you buy, looking for certifications, looking for their choices of ingredients, looking for their backstory about why they make it, how they make it, and then it gets a lot harder. On that, with selecting beauty products, whether it's for skin, body, hair, or cosmetics, as a starting entry-level guideline, what should you be looking for if you're trying to make a more eco-conscious choice? I guess lots of sort of easy wins. In the beauty industry, everybody tends to focus on packaging. Is the packaging compostable? So if it is a plastic package product, is it made from post-consumer recycled plastic or is it made from virgin plastic? So if it's already made from a recycled plastic, that's a far better step. And then the second bit is, is it itself recyclable? Now, that question is actually a much harder one because something may in theory be recyclable, but it may not be in your area. It, it probably won't be anyway because statistically, we've only ever recycled 9% of all plastic ever made. Therefore, my preference is always be to avoid plastic as much as humanly possible in, in what's effectively a single-use product, but it's not always possible. So the next best step is to look for that recycled post-consumer waste product. Then, of course, the next question is is what's in it? So packaging is kind of the thing we were talking about, but really what's in it is, is arguably more important. So is it full of palm oil in the case of cosmetics? Most of them are, and it's super hard to avoid palm oil ingredients um, because so many of our cosmetic ingredients are made of it. So look for palm oil-free certification. Then you can just look for a whole swathe of certifications, something like Rainforest Trust Alliance, which is ensuring that the ingredients they use uh, don't cut down ancient rainforests, those sorts of things. It goes on, I tell you. 
In terms of red flags, it, it's kind of harder to look for, but what are some of the things, if you see that, that should kind of set off an alarm bell in your mind, whether it's packaging or ingredients, that should make you think twice and go, maybe this isn't a great eco-choice? To me, it's actually greenwashing because and, and, and greenwashing is usually relatively easy to spot. Greenwashing is the thing to avoid because <laughs> even if they've made or they seemingly made more environmentally friendly choices, they, they probably actually haven't and they're just misleading you into thinking that way. So um, a good thing is where a product has a name that has the word eco or organic or whatever in the title and yet the rest of the product doesn't reflect that. People look at the name of the product and I can't think of an example and think, oh, must be environmentally friendly because that's what it says on the tin. So it's only in the title, not but necessarily There's a few brands anywhere. out there. Okay. Yes. But it isn't necessarily reflected in the product. It's just a clever marketing tool. If they state something like um, has no impact on the planet or these grandiose statements, you know, 100% clean, 100% natural, chemical free, all those sorts of things speak to the fact that they they may not have the greatest understanding of what they're talking about. There is no such thing as 100% chemical free. It's an impossibility because everything is a chemical. Literally everything on earth is a chemical. So it's a, it's a nonsensical saying. And if they're saying that, you've got to wonder about the rest of their thinking. Have they made the right choices? So for me, it's really grandiose statements that are very, very hard, if not impossible, to actually be correct. That puts me off brands who say they're doing the right thing because I just think, are you really? And that is, look, it is impossible to make snap decisions that are that are always the most informed, but that's that's the thing I look for. In terms of the packaging, which we kind of touched on, with a lot of boxed products, for instance, you can't kind of always see what's going on inside. Is there any kind of tips as far as negotiating which product to choose versus which one not to when you're looking on the shelves? Uh, you can always fall back on, again, certifications and ingredient lists. I guess trying to be as environmentally friendly as possible is very difficult. So focus on something that's super important to you. Focus on one thing to start with, get really get expert on that, and then move on. So let's take plastic again because it is the thing most people focus on. If you were looking, uh, you want to make sure that everything you buy is as recyclable as possible. Again, you look to ensure whether it's made out of um, consumer recycled waste. But then you also look to see what the, it itself is made out of. So you've got the little triangle at the bottom, which tells you what it's numbered and it tells you what type of plastic it is and therefore what waste stream it'll go into. You want to avoid a super easy way to, to make recycling easier is avoid mixed material packaging so avoid something that's made out of a couple of different types of plastic and that's usually things like lotion pumps because usually the the pump itself is made out of a different type of plastic which actually makes it very hard to recycle so if you are looking something on the shelf immediately uh, and you you look for simple packaging because it's usually easier for our disposal teams companies uh, to to dispose of in the correct way and um, in Australia, we saw products containing plastic microbeads banned a few years ago because it was finally acknowledged that they were having a detrimental impact on ecology of our waterways and marine life. But what about rinse-off products in general? Does that environmental awareness need to extend really to any product that's being washed down the drain in large volumes? Totally. Uh, the dose makes the poison and literally anything will be detrimental depending on the concentration. If you are, if you're out in the bush and you're washing yourself in a small body of water, so like a little pond, then you are going to have an adverse effect regardless of how environmentally friendly your products are. So the key is to use as little as possible to really think about what it is. Again, it goes back to what are you buying? Buy less, use less, use the bare amount of that product that works for you. So don't go crazy and, and use half a bottle of body washes. Maybe it feels lovely and slippery and bubbly. Great. Not the best option for the environment. Mm. 
And then the other thing is to uh, microbeads are not the only plastics in cosmetics, and a lot of people are very surprised about this. So the things like glitter, almost always plastic, looks great almost always plastic based mm. there's polyethylenes they can often be gelling agents are often plastics there if you look for products that are often certified microplastic free or read the ingredient list again get to grips with what plastic is listed under on an ingredients list because unfortunately it doesn't just say plastic now, i was just thinking that i was like i bet it doesn't just say that there. <laughs> it does not no what are some of the names it might be hidden under? Just Polyethylene is a good one to look for. Mm-hmm. And I hate this word. Acrylates is another type of plastic. It is a, it's a gelling agent. And look, at the end of the day, they haven't been proven to cause problems in our waterways. And they probably won't in the concentrations which you use them in the shower. Uh, because they are heavily, heavily diluted. They are then they head to the sewage system and they are treated. But if... If you are looking at this from a, a super generalized perspective, and if you're saying that rinse off products can affect our waterways, yes, they can if, if they are used in large enough quantities. So just use less. When I was a kid growing up in suburban Sydney in the early 90s, I remember one day my dad um, bringing this big black tub in and saying, the council sent this, it's for recycling our food cans and drinks, which seems nuts now that it wasn't already being done on a mass scale. And I feel like people are pretty good now with doing it when it comes to food packaging, but with beauty packaging, there still seems to be a bit of a disconnect. So what are some ways that we can be looking at all the products that are within our bathroom and being more active about recycling in that area it is it is actually really weird i read a statistic a while ago that said um four out of five people will recycle all of the stuff in their kitchen one out of five will recycle everything in the bathroom now what a, yeah what's the disconnect here? It's bizarre, isn't it? I, I just wonder if it's something as simple as accessibility who has two bins in their bathroom one marked landfill one marked recycling true i've never seen anybody do that Perhaps if we all did that, would it just be a little memory jog that says, I'm going to recycle this bottle? Because in fairness, most cosmetic bottles, your your bog standard shampoo and conditioner, they are usually technically recyclable. Now, what happens after they get to the recycling plant is another matter and they probably won't be recycled. But you, as a consumer, should still be trying if you use those plastic bottles. So I think having that little memory trigger, having two bins or having just a recycling bin in your bathroom will make a difference. We are creatures of habit. And it takes, what is it, nine days of, of something of, to do something to build a habit? I really just think it's that visual trigger. And in terms of recycling, like preparing it to recycle, you know, with things in the kitchen, we know to wash things or remove certain parts of it and separate it out. Is it the same with beauty products? It is, yeah, yeah. So you've got to make sure it's, it's pristine. You know, you don't have to sterilize it, but give it a good rinse until the water doesn't come out bubbly anymore. Otherwise, you're going to contaminate that recycling stream. What about beauty adjacent items? So things like, cotton pads, cotton wool, and even face wipes, because you might have gone to all the trouble of choosing what you think is a good eco-choice product, but then you've gone ahead and used it with something that's essentially a high-volume single-use item. How can you make better choices in this regard? If it's a single-use item, even if it's compostable, don't use it. It doesn't matter if it's if it's genuinely compostable and really made out of the best thing and the most sustainable ever, because it's still a single-use waste of resource. There is very few things in the bathroom probably toilet paper aside, that cannot be replaced with something that's multi-use. You know, so instead of a face wipe, just have a, you know, 14 flannels or face cloths and wash them. Cotton buds. There is a reusable cotton bud out there that was on Kickstarter, I believe. I would just use the corner of, again, the same face cloth. Um, usually it's not quite as tidy, but, you know, practice makes perfect. Uh, it's, it's thinking instead of single-use throwaway items, 
which are convenient, I understand that even the most environmentally friendly are never as environmentally friendly as stuff you reuse over and over again. So the focus is on reuse products, basically. It is on those single-use throwaways. It really is, yeah. Emmeline has called the UBD pod phone with a question about eco-friendly products. My question is, have you got any recommendations for eco-friendly products with less packaging that are as good, if not better, than their alternatives? I would like to swap things out throughout my routine from cleansing to makeup to hair, but really don't want to compromise on quality. So they need to be just as good as the best. Thank you. I think this is tricky because there is sometimes this, whether it's perceived or real, a drop in quality of performance of a product when it's eco-oriented. What's your take on that? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, 100%, it's, it's definitely some a perception a lot of people have is that if it's natural or environmentally friendly, it's going to be rubbish. They're and already why. kind of mentally readjusting yeah. that like, oh, okay, this isn't going to be as good, but hey, I'm doing the right thing. Do you know how many of our reviews start with I was really sceptical? Uh, kind of disheartening, guys. We know what we're doing. <laughs> I find websites like Nourish Life or Flora and Fauna really helpful because they have done a lot of research for you, have looked into certifications and have a whole swathe of brands that you can try different things. And also they have the independent reviews. In terms of makeup, which is actually what I'm asked about the most, is Alift Beauty, A-L-H-E-P-H. They are a phenomenal but very simple makeup brand and they have um, lots of multi-purpose products all in glass containers that you can send back or you can reuse to store your jewellery or something in. Um, That is an example of a company that's doing a really good job. Um, Beauty Counter in the States uh, have focused very heavily on their supply chain and they also have a long list of ingredients that they won't use um, for sustainability reasons. Um, They are a good example of someone or a brand that are big, big scale that are really trying to concentrate on as many problems as possible at once. No one brand is perfect but there is a lot of good brands out there. And if there was one product from your range that you would tell people, go and try this and you will see that it is as good as the regular one that you've been buying that's (laughs) kind of not been made with the same eco-friendly practices, what would the one product be? This might surprise you, but I'm probably going to pick a cleaning product. We have um, a concentrate range and um, I wanted to figure out a way to reach people who don't like bars, right, but still have the compostable packaging. So we do that with our concentrates, which are you snap them up, that we sell you a bar, you snap the bar up and you mix it with water and then you have things like shampoo, conditioner and cleaning products. So our multi-purpose spray is exactly what you get in like a jar, a, a bottle of say spray and wipe or something. You literally spray it on a surface and it cleans it. They're antibacterial, they're everything you would expect out of a mainstream bottle, but they are literally plastic free and their supply chain is clean. Mm. So... I would try that. It's a that very too. different way of approaching no cleaning. Risk. Normally you think, get my bottle, get my sponge. Like that's the process when you're about Reusable to do cleaning. Yep, Reuse the sponge. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, every week we ask our expert a common myth about their area of expertise. So here's yours. Eco-friendly products are expensive and hard to find. True mm-hmm. or false? Can I say both? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, They are more expensive typically because the decisions, the genuinely sustainable decisions and ethical decisions are more expensive to the brand. And brands, you know, if you want to be a sustainable brand, you have to be financially sustainable. So you can't necessarily carry all those costs. Um, But they're not expensive. The reason I say false is because we've been kind of lulled into this false sense of security or false sense of of what cost is and, and everything. You know, things can't necessarily be, you can't make stuff for a dollar 
I liken it to the, to the fashion industry, right? We say that sustainable fashion is very expensive, but that's only in comparison to fast fashion. If you're making a t-shirt for $3, it's because somebody is not making any money and it's because the environment is being threatened. So they're certainly more expensive most of the time, uh, not all the time, but they are often, there is a reason for it. Brianne, thank you for joining us on the UBD podcast and for your advice on improving our beauty routine sustainability. Thank you very much. I hope you're enjoying our Ask an Expert episodes. And don't forget, if you have a suggestion for an expert or you have a question you want me to ask an expert, you can always just get in touch with us through ubeauty at mamamia.com.au or just call the pod phone on 028 I'd love to hear your beautiful voice. This episode was produced by Gia Moylan. I'm Shazzy Hunt and I'll chat to you again next Tuesday.